This is Karen Hunter, and welcome to The Hub. In the fire next time, James Baldwin talks about the relationship between men and women through the lens of the Nation of Islam. As I mentioned in the last podcast, he had dinner over Elijah Muhammad's home in Chicago, and you know he remarked that the men sat at one table, the women sat at another, and he admired, though, so many tenets and elements of the Nation of Islam, but then he had to hold up the hypocrisy. And he goes into some things in this book that I was like, oh, Baldwin wasn't, he was not afraid. He was about this life. He mentioned some things about the foundings of the Nation of Islam or the funding of the Nation of Islam that I was like, okay. But as a group, and this is the thing, you know, we need to be able to both be critical, admire, I say it all the time, chew up the meat, spit out the bones, and not be a heretic, you know. We, we should be able to question things as I mentioned in the last podcast, including the very faith that we purport and still be valid in that. If your group, organization, faith can't be tested, how strong is it really? And if anything, iron sharpens iron. If anything, the, the, the scrutiny should propel you into even being more strong, even being stronger. So he's writing in here, about, you know, Chicago, not just Chicago, all of the neighborhoods and the liquor and the drugs and everything that's going on in in our community, the junkies. And he said, with, there's so many churches and junkies. So you think about if you live in the hood, right? Um, and I've said this many times before, there'll be a church next to a liquor store, liquor store, church, church, liquor store, liquor store, junkie. <laughs> you know, and it's like, how is it possible that there are so many liquor stores and junkies on the same block with churches? Because if the church is really feeding the people, you couldn't have that on your street. But that's another podcast for another day, or it's probably one I've already done. But in The Fire Next Time, James Baldwin, he writes, protect your women. So he's going through this series is almost like call and response. So protect your women is kind of an edict that comes down forth from the nation of Islam, that that is one of the things that they do, protect your women. And then Baldwin writes, a difficult thing to do in a civilization sexually so pathetic that the white man's masculinity depends on a denial of the masculinity of the blacks. This is powerful. So Baldwin's like, how can you protect your women when you've been stripped of the ability to do so in a society that states or it implies that a white man is not really a man or cannot be a man in the face of black maleness. So if that's the construct, then the goal is to destroy the masculinity of black men. That you can only be a man, and this is Baldwin saying it, not Karen, that a white man is only masculine if he demasculizes or strips, um, emasculates black men, denies black men their, their masculinity. Hence, the, the calling of black men boys, making them jump off of curbs, making them avert their eyes when they lynch them, cutting off their penises. You know, this, this obsession with black masculinity in the society is very, very, very scary, but also puts black people in a, in a very, not awkward, dangerous, scary position. Baldwin writes, protect your women in a civilization that emasculates the male and abuses the female. 
and in which, moreover, the male is forced to depend on the female's breadwinning power. Pause. How many black women are the breadwinners in a family? And listen, I'm not saying whether whether that's the natural order of things or whether it should be or shouldn't be. I'm not disparaging it. I'm saying that the structure in which America was founded upon set that in motion with the express purpose of emasculating black men. And I'm saying that as a, a woman that once was the breadwinner in my home. Let me tell you, it was the, the, the one thing that uh, it was actually the deciding factor of me leaving that relationship. Because to come home every day with the burden of having to do all of that and then come home and cook and all and then have somebody look at me. Now I get, I get like he couldn't find a job and I get how destructive that is to a person's psyche and soul. But for me, I knew that that wasn't normal. That wasn't how I wanted to live my, I didn't want to support you, you know, but so far. Didn't feel good to my soul. But then I sit back now and I know that that's the construct that, that we live under, right? And it's designed that way so that we fight each other, so that we hate each other, so that we resent each other, so that we're in relationships where we resent each other and when we pass that resentment into our children that then repeat the behavior that make it very dysfunctional for black women and black men to come together. It's why there's so many black women who are single and so many black men out there gallivanting and, and, and being cat daddies and things, right? Not paying, paying homage to the household and to the sanctity of that relationship because that's empowering, right? That makes you feel powerful. Yet you say, protect your women. So he goes on, protect your women in the teeth of the white man's boast. We figured we're doing you folk a favor by pumping some white blood into your kids. This is um, Baldwin writing. And basically what he's saying is protect your women, but, but then at, at willy-nilly at any point in time, a white man can come and take your woman. This is the, the condition of in the enslaved um, people. You, you could have a wife that the master could just come and take and then have the audacity to say, I'm, I'm doing you a favor, pumping some white blood into her. I don't know what that must have felt like for 400 years. But I know it's done a number on us today. That, because it's in our DNA. And he says, while facing a southern shotgun in Northern Billy Club. So Baldwin's also saying that even if you rose up as a black man to protect your woman, you were facing a shotgun or a billy club. You didn't really have any recourse. He writes, years ago, we used to say, yes, I'm black, goddammit, and I'm beautiful and defiance into the void. But now, African kings and heroes have come into the world out of the past, and a past that can now be put to the uses of power. And black has become a beautiful color, not because it is love, but because it is feared. And this urgency on the part of the American Negroes is not to be forgotten. Pause. As we sit here today, and again, Baldwin wrote this 30, 40 years ago, Africa is emerging. You know, we, we talk a lot about the, the crazy things that are going on in Africa, like what's happening with the Nigerians in South Africa and the genocide that's going on in several countries. We've talked about Boko Haram and Sudan and all these other places that are, are in turmoil. But Africa is literally the biggest continent in the world. China can fit into Africa as well as India, as well as the United States and all of Europe, Japan and Russia. That's how big it is. 
And with that largesse, with that largeness, you have Ethiopia, one of the most developed African nations around the Ethiopian um, prime minister, the president of Ethiopia is doing amazing work. Rwanda's doing amazing work, even with this complicated thing that's going on there with religion. Rwanda's doing amazing work. You have Nigeria, Nigeria, home of 200 million people, average age 18, th two of the, world, of, of the world's richest black people, actually the, the richest black men in the world are from Nigeria. Richer than Oprah and Robert Smith III combined. Nigeria, Ghana, <laughs> you, you have Senegal. There are nations that are doing things that they don't talk about on purpose and they're walking into their power. We talk a lot about China coming there. Why is everyone coming there? Because it is the land of all resources. It is the birthplace of, of Christianity, Islam, and everything. It is the birthplace of humanity, period. And it has all of the resources, all of the resources. And those people who are living there are now figuring it out that they have everything. And so what Baldwin is writing, this was happening in his time, that the American Negro now doesn't want to be forgotten. Hey, wait a minute. And he writes, as they watch black men elsewhere rise, the promise held out at, at last that they may walk the earth with the authority with which white men walk, protected by the power that white men shall have no longer, is enough and more than enough to empty prisons, pull down, pull God down from heaven. And he said, it's happened before many times before color was invented and the hope of heaven has always been a metaphor for the achievement of this particular state of grace. He says, the song says, I know my robe's gonna fit me well. I tried it on at the gates of hell. And as I read that last line, I'm reminded that and I've, I can't say this enough. Everything that we need, everything that we want, we have it. We just need to walk into it. As Baldwin says, you know, it's time. It's time that everything before color was invented, we had everything. And the, the hopes of heaven can be literally pulled down because we have that. The prisons, he said, emptied because we have it. And so I just want to remind you, you know, if you are struggling in a relationship right now that you don't understand why, you know, why y'all feeling the way you feel about one another, know that that's by design and, and that um, you truly need to look at one another differently. You know, as I, as I was sitting here thinking about this podcast today, I went to Whole Foods and um, I was struggling with my cart going into a door that I shouldn't have been going into. It was a door that, you know, only people came out of, but I, wanted to go in that particular door and this young black man was coming out and he held the door for me and he said come on in baby and it felt I mean it was it wasn't objectifying it was just like family I ain't know this man from a can of paint but it just felt nice and I was like Matt wow I get a baby he said yeah that's the that's my form of respect I respect you and I love that and it made me not only feel validated but made me feel connected to that man my brother and I said, man, if we can just bottle this and spray it on everybody and duplicate it many times over, and we can because it's a mindset and it starts with us. Now, you may not always get the reaction that you want back from people. I, I know several times, even in my place of work, I walk past black people that won't even say hello. And that's weird. <laughs> it's weird as F. But you know what? Everyone's not at the same level of wokeness. 
And it is our job to to continue to be the change we want to see in everything that we do. So that's my message for today. I hope you got something out of it. Let me know. Follow me on Twitter at Karen Hunter. That's where I engage. Use the hashtag podcast. Please share this if you've gotten anything out of it with uh, 10 people who have never heard of me before. That would be really cool. And also uh, check out my YouTube uh, channel because that's uh, really dope right now. All right, let me know what you think. Follow me again at Karen Hunter. Use the hashtag podcast. Till next time.